Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church Service of December the 23rd of 2007. Our pastor is Dr. Tim Hobbs. We now unite with the service in progress.
As most of you know, at this time every year we recognize three people nominated by the youth and voted on for their dedication and support of our church. We would like to present this first poinsettia to a person that exemplifies dedication and continuous support of the mission of this church. He unselfishly gives of his time and talent to our church through his artistic ability and innovative ideas. We have been blessed by his addition to our church family. At this time, we would like to present our first poinsettia to Greg Gibson. I'm presenting the second poinsettia to a person that has contributed so much to our church by using his God-given talents of building and construction. He has been a he has been a Christian influence to us about how important it is to use the talents that God gives you to benefit of others. He has been on many mission trips and has headed up many projects to not only build tangible things but to build the bridge of hope for others. This man has had a big imp- impact on influence of Christian faith on the youth. With great respect for this man, I present the second point that it's to Larry McDowell. Finally, we would like to present our last poinsettia to a family that has exemplified resiliency, faith, and courage during the toughest of times. They have left a long-lasting impact in all of us through their testimony of faith. I feel that because of their example, we will always be able to deal with times of trouble and despair with courage and faith. We are blessed to have them as part of our church family and to be able to see a miracle in the works every Sunday. At this time, I would like to present this poinsettia to the Hobson family. Boys and girls, it's your time for your special time right now. We're going to be coming down here as somebody comes to lead you in that time. Looks like it's brother, brother Jenkins. morning. Boy, just two more days and it will be Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I am just really, really excited about this. I even wore my green socks today. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, we have our tree up and we have a, some Christmas presents under there. And there's one that I have been just, just looking at this box. It's for me. And I've just been so anxious to open this and not supposed to do it till Christmas, but I'd go in there and kind of look at it and shake it. And so anyway, I have permission this morning to bring to to open this box. And the only stipulation was is I need a volunteer to open it for me. But there's there's a nice gift in here, and I'm really anticipating getting this. So would somebody open this for me? First hand. Let me see what that is. I am pretty excited about this. Oh, yeah. Notice how pretty the ribbon is on that box? Kind of hard to do without seeing There you go. Oh, boy. That thing has been under there for two weeks or more. Yeah, it's getting better and better. I see the box now. All right. Go ahead and open it up for me. I'm just... Oh, I hope it didn't break. <laughs> All right. I can't wait. Tell me what it is. What is it? Well, 
that's, that's not bad. It uh, says it's got a cushioned heel and uh, uh, it's got a number on here, a phone number. If I'm not satisfied with it, it says I can call that number and they'll, they'll do something about it. But, uh, wow, you know, a pair of socks, that's, well, that's all right. Well, I uh, appreciate that. I was kind of wondering what was under there. I'll be sure and take care of that. Well, I can't help but uh, say that I'm maybe just a little disappointed. I don't, I don't know what I was expecting, but that wasn't quite it. But, you know, I saw in the paper this morning, I guess there are a lot of people that uh, sometimes get a gift that they're not real, real pleased with. An article in the paper says, learn to be gracious about disappointing gifts. So... This article has things that you can say to people when you get a gift that's not quite what you expected and how you can not show your disappointment, but you can, like, tell them, you know, well, I really appreciate this. So I need to read this, I guess, to make sure that, uh, that I know what to say. Thursday night, my friend Hugh and I went on our annual Christmas shopping trip. And uh, we went over to Evansville to the mall all by ourselves, without any women guidance or anything like that. And this is always quite an annual treat for me. And because I had already completed most of my shopping, and to be honest with you, without bragging, I'm I'm a pretty good shopper. So I had everything pretty well done. Now, Hugh had not done his. But the real thing that I enjoyed was going into different stores with Hugh and listening to some of the comments and questions that were made by other male shoppers. And uh, I can't remember all of them, but I wrote some of those down because they really, they, they really uh, got my attention. And I don't know if I saw the cheerful faces that you usually see, you know, when you're Christmas shopping, but uh, see if you've ever heard any of these things before. Now, this is what... Mostly men were saying either to the sales ladies or to one another. What do you get for a person who already has everything? She's got everything she wants. What's the difference between a petite and a regular? Which size is my wife? I know what she's bought me, and I need to find something that costs about the same amount. Ma'am, could you just keep my receipt over here so that she can bring it back for an exchange? (laughs) Is this a color that would look good on my wife? And then the one that I thought was probably the recipe for a real disaster was when we were in the Gap, and this gentleman came in and he says, where do y'all keep the big women's sizes? (laughs) I don't know how his Christmas is going to go. But what I do want to talk to you about for just a second is another gift. And this is a very different gift. And this is a gift, if you could think of this as a gift where the the color and the size fits all. And it really is pretty insignificant about the color and the size. And it's a gift that goes with a lot of different outfits. It's a very versatile gift. It's a gift that never goes out of style. You don't have to worry about it from one year to the next. It's a gift that you don't have to worry about the receipt and returning it for an exchange. And the best of all, it's a gift that has a lifetime guarantee. And it's the gift that God sent us, his son Jesus.
Well, it's time for uh, gifts again. It's that season. And it's time that we uh, need to remember to give what matters most uh, to our family and to the Lord. And uh, if you think about it, uh, if we give ourselves, that's the most important. So just being together is so important this time of year for the family and to be here at church and to give our, our worship and our, our praises to God. Our offerings are much more than the money we give. Uh, money is really the least of what we can give to the Lord. Our worship and our praise is what the Lord expects. And the best gift that we can give is to God is that worship and acknowledgement of, of the goodness that that God gives and provides to us. And I hope this, this song expresses that thought. And if you know this, if you can follow the words and, and you've heard this song before, I encourage you to sing along. Bethlehem appeared a star While angels sang to lowly shepherds Three wise men seeking truth Traveled from afar Hoping to find the child from heaven Falling on their knees they bowed before the humble Prince of Peace. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that
Let's pray. Our hearts were, dear Lord, our hearts are full at this moment, which is testimony to your spirit being with us today in every way, in song, in scripture, in testimony time. So we ask now that you bless these, <coughs> excuse me, these tithes and offerings, that we may continue the work of this church throughout the coming year. We are grateful. Amen. Thank you, Timmy and Jika, for the beautiful music, and thanks to a lot of people. I tell you what, this, this service has just been been full of of a lot of good things, and, and I'm grateful for uh, for those who are participating in our service today and, and worshiping with us today. Our scripture lesson for today comes from Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. This is Matthew's version of the Christmas story, and he begins. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for you and for me. Calvin Miller is a great author, and he tells a great story about a kid named Fruitcake, or Fruit Stand, I'm sorry. I guess there's something about Christmas that makes you think about Fruitcake. Kid named Fruit Stand. The story took place around the time when the, the hippie era of the 1960s was beginning to wind down, and many of the refugees from San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury district moved down the coast to Santa Cruz. And as they had their children, these hippie parents didn't give their children typical names like Tiffany or Michael. Instead, they gave them names with profound meaning, names like Snow Princess or Seafoam or Panache. Well, the people around Santa Cruz became accustomed to their little children playing with time warp and spring fever. And eventually all of them, along with Moonbeam and Earth Love and A Precious Promise, all ended up in the public schools there. And that's when a certain kindergarten teacher first met Fruit Stand. On the first day of school, this hippie child got off of the bus wearing a tag, proudly displaying the name Fruit Stand. And the teacher thought it was a bit odd, but then again, this was the age when Frank Zappa was naming his son Dweezil and his daughter Moon Unit. And so she welcomed him along with all of the others. Would you like to play with some blocks, Fruit Stand? She asked. Hey, fruit stand, how about a snack? And by the afternoon recess, uh, his name didn't seem so much worse than Sun Rays or Fairy Queens. And at the final bell, the teacher got all the kids and was loading them onto the bus. And and she asked, fruit stand, do you know which bus stop is yours? And But he didn't answer. Well, the teacher knew that a lot, a lot of kids are shy on their first day of school. And it didn't really matter anyway, since... She had asked all of the parents to write the names of the bus stop on the backside of their name tags. So just as she put the boy on the bus, she said, bye, fruit stand. I'll see you tomorrow. And then she turned his bus tag over and there neatly printed on the other side was the word Anthony. His bus stop was the fruit stand. His name was Anthony. Names are certainly interesting, aren't they? A woman named Jewel and her husband, Myron, bought a new computer program with a spell check feature on it. And so Jewel typed her name into the program, into the computer, J-E-W-E-L-L. And the computer suggested the correct spelling, J-E-W-E-L, without the last L. And so her husband laughed at her and said, you don't even know how to spell your own name. And then he typed his own name in there, Myron, M-Y-R-O-N. And the computer stated that there was, there was no such word that, ex- that existed, so it suggested a, another word that might be the case, moron. Shakespeare has young Juliet saying, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And that raises the question that I would like for us to consider this morning. And that is, what is in a name? Well, evidently a great deal. A growing number of colleges are finding that changing to a more prestigious sounding name can help boost their enrollment. For example, Trenton State College is now the College of New Jersey, and Beaver College is now Arcadia University. What's in a name? 
Some of our older members will probably remember when one of the best-known names in gasoline was Esso. They had a popular slogan, Esso puts a tiger in your tank. You remember that? You remember that? But then they discovered that in one of the Asian languages, the word Esso means something obscene. And since they were on their way to, to becoming an international enterprise, Esso immediately pulled its advertising and conducted a careful study to find a name that was suitable for the entire world. They spent a huge amount of money trying millions of letter combinations, seeking a two-syllable word that begins with the, word, with the letter E and not found in any other language. And they came up with thousands of possibilities that had to be checked with brand names and and trademarks and companies all throughout the world. And finally, they narrowed their choice down to two names, Exxon and Enco. And just before they were about to make their final decision, researchers discovered that the word Enco was a Japanese term that could mean stalled car. So Inco was quickly dropped, and in 1972, Exxon became the corporation's new name. What's in the name? Apparently, a lot. Matthew writes, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son And you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What's in a name? You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins and they will call him Emmanuel because God is with us. Folks, people, biblical people took their names very seriously. You remember how Abram became Abraham and Sarai became Sarah? And then they they named their son Isaac, which means laughter. And and then Isaac and Rebekah had twin sons, one of whom they named Jacob, which means one who strives. And then God changed Jacob's name to Israel because he had struggled with God and with with men and had overcome. And so you see, names are very important. In fact, in fact, biblical names often had symbolic meanings. For example, the prophet Hosea, who married a prostitute, named his daughter, no mercy, named his son, not my people. And he was trying to to draw the people's attention to the fact that they had been unfaithful to God. So you see, names are important. In the New Testament, we discover Jesus changing Simon's name to Peter, which means the rock, because Peter was the rock upon which Jesus would build his church. Then later, Saul, the persecutor of the early church, became Saul, became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. And these are just a few of the names in the Bible to illustrate how important a person's name is. And, of course, especially important is the name of God. Remember Moses' encounter with God in Exodus 3 with the burning bush? Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is God's name? What shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what 
you, you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Sometimes we expand that name, which in the ancient Hebrew contains only consonants to the name Yahweh. The word Jehovah is a derivative of that name. And sometimes we we refer to God as Elohim and occasionally by other names in the scripture. Jewish tradition holds that the name of God is so holy that it's not even to be spoken by the human tongue. And and the only time it could be spoken was once a year by the high priest on the Day of Atonement when he entered into the Holy of Holies. Even today, rather than using the name of God, Orthodox Jews refer only to Hashim, which means the name. Of course, one of the Ten Commandments is that the name of the Lord God is not to be taken in vain. So you see, the name of God is holy. You remember how Jesus in the Lord's Prayer taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. My friends, we play too loosely with God's name in our society today. And it's a sign of how far we have fallen from what God wants us to be. So names are important in the Bible. And no name is more important than the name that Mary and Joseph gave to their newborn son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus or in Hebrew, Yeshua, literally means salvation. Which is a theme that's found all throughout the New Testament. And there's power in that name of Jesus. The writer of the Gospel of John put it like this, But as many as received Him, He gave to them the power to become children of God, even to them who believe on His name. In Paul, in Romans 10, 13, Paul says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then in Matthew eighteen twenty, we read, Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And we are gathered here today, my friends, in the name of Jesus Christ. In John 14, we read, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. We offer our prayers in the name of Jesus. Now, time will not allow me to list all of the ways Jesus's name is used in the scriptures. The book of Acts makes a lot of references to worshiping and serving and suffering in the name of Jesus. And of course, Philippians 2, we see that it is at the name of Jesus that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what's in a name? A lot. Especially when that name is Jesus. More than 30 years ago, Bishop Woody White found himself in a situation that he would never imagine. A man had put a gun to his head. He was being mugged in the streets. And in that moment, Willie says that he was gripped with fear. And then without even thinking about it, Bishop White uttered these words aloud. Not in panic, but slowly and distinctly. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy. And just like that, the panic left him. No longer was there fear, only a sense of calm and and peace. Bishop White lived to tell his story. And I want to tell you something, folks. There's a man who will testify that there's power in the name of Jesus. But my friend, I want to tell you that you and I are not likely to experience that kind of power until we take the name of Christ as our own. He was called Jesus the Christ. And Christmas is the celebration of Jesus the Christ. And those who are followers of Jesus are called Christians, which literally means Christ ones. 
or little Christs. So I guess that the most important question that I can ask you today is this. Do you bear the name of Jesus? If someone were to ask you today, are you one of his followers? How would you answer it? And it's important because it makes a difference in how you regard his name. The Reverend Sue Reed tells about a priest that she knows that had an extraordinary experience one evening a while back. It was just before Easter. The priest's duties took him to an island which required him to take a a ferry ride home. And this particular night, he was returning home on the 10 o'clock ferry and the boat was about to dock and he was he was out on deck looking backwards onto the, the water in the beautiful moonlight. And the other passengers were already heading for their cars and getting ready to disembark. And one of the ferry workers was standing there working nearby, an African-American man. And the priest casually said to him, what a beautiful night. Well, the ferry worker said, yes, but it's been a tough day, and I'm glad to see it over. And the priest asked, why? What happened? And the worker said, well, today there was a man who got on board, and he was drunk. And he was loud and abusive. And, and so I sat down with him to try to calm him down. But then he started calling me names, all of the things that just hit me in the gut, and one name in particular. And I wanted to get away from him. But then I looked around, I saw all these other people, including little children, and I realized that if I left him, he'd just go after them. And so I stayed and I I took his abuse so that nobody else would have to deal with him. And then after a brief time of silence, the priest said, you know, this is Holy Week for Christians, and we think of Jesus as taking on all of the garbage of the world as he hung there on the cross. The ferry worker just shrugged. And then the priest said, by the way, what's your name? The ferry worker said, Emmanuel. My name is Emmanuel. Did you notice how our passage from Matthew's version of the Christmas story ended? You are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Folks, I think maybe we should have a renaming service today. Would you mind if I renamed all of you today Emmanuel? Would you mind that? Would you be willing to take on the garbage of the world upon yourself? Jesus did that. And because Jesus did that, we don't have to do that for our own selves. But it is a part of what it means to follow the one whose birth we celebrate during this Christmas season. Because you see, Jesus didn't come just to change the world. He came also To save the world. And he is doing his saving work through people like you and like me. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And of course, God is with us as we proudly bear the name Christian, Christ one. And as we diligently seek to follow in the steps of Jesus to be instruments of God saving grace. His name is to be Jesus because he will save his people. And they will call him Emmanuel. God. Is with us. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 566. Tell the good news. There may be someone here today who 
needs to take on that name of Christian, the name of Christ. Maybe you haven't done that before. Maybe you need to say yes to the saving grace of Jesus Christ today. Because Christ did come to this earth and He died on the cross to take all the garbage in your life, to take it away from you and to deal with it so you don't have to. And all you have to do is to say, yes, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And there may be someone here who needs to make that commitment today. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church as we seek to be the people of God in this place, following the Christ child. Would you come as we sing together, 566, tell the good news. Oh God, as we go from this place, may we go in the spirit that you have given to us, the spirit of love and peace and, and hope and joy, the spirit of Christmas. May the spirit take us into the world so that we may tell the good news that Jesus Christ is born and that he is Lord of all and that we as his followers have a responsibility to the world out there. Help us to take that very seriously and help us to truly be Christians, Christ ones, following in the ways of Jesus. Now go with us, O God, with your Spirit, and guide us along the way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope to see you tomorrow.